Hello, everybody. It's Trish Carr from Women's Prosperity Network, and I'm so glad that you're here today. Go ahead and uh, get comfortable. We're going to be together about 15 minutes, so chill. Get yourself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or a cup of water, whatever it is you want to have your beverage and just relax for the next 15 minutes because we're on our way to the Be Real, Get Real show. And the Be Real, Get Real show is all about hearing from real people who are in business and getting to know each other better. Because in reality, we do business with people. We don't do business with businesses. Mm -hmm. So it's about getting to know each other. And uh, the more we know each other, the more we like each other, the more we can trust each other. And relationships and nurturing them are the most important thing in life and in business. So you see that little share button? I got one request, that little share button down there. If you would, go ahead and click on share and save this and show this to your tribe and your people because our conversation is going to be very special today. I, I, and as we get into it, you know, one of the phrases I hear people say all the time is, you know, when things settle down, I'm going to do this <laughs> or I just, you know, I just got to wait until things settle down and then everything will be okay. And one of the things I've learned, and you probably know this too, is things really don't settle down for very long. You know, life is a roller coaster. So we're going to be going up sometimes and we're going to be at the top. And then sometimes we're going to come down and life is going to get a little messy and then we're going to have to deal with it again. So the key to a happy, healthy, wonderful life is learning how to be resilient. And that's exactly what my guest today has experienced over and over again, is how to use her resilience and how to build it up. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about her before I bring her on. And she, unbelievable, wait to hear about her. She was, you know, very much like me and very much like many of you. She worked in corporate America for, for a long time First at IBM, where you can't be any more corporate than IBM, right? Everybody was all buttoned up and in suits and stuff. And um, things changed in her life. She ended up at Lockheed Martin, which is the aircraft crew, you know, the people who make airplanes. They, too, were very corporate. And then she, things changed for her. Pat Alva Craker has such an interesting story over the last several years of how she was resilient. And I really wanna bring her on and sh have her share with you reinvention. Now, let me first tell you that Pat right now is uh, works in a fantastic, she gets to tap into her talents and her skills now in her very own business, Majestic Coaching Group, where she works with people so they build resistance and, in fact, they build a business that is successful. So we'll get into that as well. So let me welcome Pat Alva Craker to the show. Pat, welcome. So glad welcome. you're here. Hey, hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. And Pat's coming to us from near Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, yeah, a good place to be, especially mm -hmm. in the winter when it's cold everywhere else. <laughs> so wonderful. Sure. So, yeah. So, you know, the first thing that grabbed my attention when we were talking was that, first of all, you know, you grew up in this corporate environment and wow. you had a lot of success at IBM, right? Mm -hmm. 
And then what happened? How is it you you left IBM and went to Lockheed? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I appreciate that. Um, I I loved my career at IBM. I started as a system engineer and uh, a project manager, and I was part of a major layoff. You know, oh. I was really close to my 25 years with the company, and uh, they I just was caught in that period of time where. There were uh, bringing in a lot of subject matter experts from other companies, and I was one of the numbers of the people that was were laid off. And uh, I tell you, I at twenty, um, yeah, twenty two years, I thought that 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 this was going to be the company I was going to stay with. Right? I was of the culture that when you hired onto a company, you were with that company forever. You can relate to that because we're around the same age and you just, you know, retired. 100%. You got the ring, you got the clock, you got whatever. And, you know, you were going to retire. And I had, that is the lifestyle and the mindset that I, um, that I had. And then when it happened, I was so devastated. I'm like, really? Oh my God. Um, uh, it teaches you, you know, what I learned is that, um, you know, and, and layoffs happen more and more now, is that I'm just one of the numbers and not to take it personally and how to get past that sorrow of, wow, I thought I was going to be here all my life. And there's got to be something better. And it, where I ended up as the next step was this something better. Uh, and I say that because I used to travel 80% of the time. Wow. And you know how old that gets. Yes, I was traveling about 50% of the time and oh it was my old God. for me. It got, it got old and I, I enjoyed what I was doing, but 80% after a while, you don't have a life, you don't spend time with your family, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up with Lockheed Martin Aeronautics and there was no travel. And I'm like, ooh, I, I feel like I got my life back. <laughs> I'm like, okay, universe, this is good. I can step into this and, and everything always works out for me. And that's the mentality that I embraced in, in this shift to, uh, to a better place. So it, um, it turned out to be really at the end, it worked out really well for me. Well, and I hold on to that. Everything always works out for me mentality mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And I still have my moments, right? So yeah. when you were laid off, I don't know, did you, if you, I lived through layoffs as well. Mm -hmm. And for me, I didn't want to stay because all my mentors were gone. So I literally became a number mm -hmm. and they were just plugging me into the next job instead of plugging yeah. me into what I love to do and that I'm really good at. Yeah. So I chose to leave and I still had the, you know, I'm always taken care of. But mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, I was nervous that I was not going to get the pension that I thought that this job that I, I remember mm -hmm. the day I was hired in my corporate job and I was 21 years old and I'm like, this is great. I have a job for life. <laughs> and then I'm 38 and I don't have a job for life anymore. Yeah. So did Scary. you experience any of that? And did Lockheed, mm -hmm. like, how did you get the Lockheed job? You know, I, um, I found many IBMers were at Lockheed and I've always been a good networker. Mm -hmm. And when I, you know, learned that, that, you know, this is when your last day is, yes, you can apply for other jobs, but this is the last day. I just connected with as many people as possible. 
And it just turned out that one of the girls, one of the gals in my network was working for Lockheed and uh, Lockheed Martin Aeronautics, and they were hiring. And uh, so she said, you ought to come, you ought to apply. You have an IT background with F-35 where you're hiring left and right. I said, That's okay. Good. Yes. It, yeah, it was all timing. Great. Yeah. And I got hired right away. Uh, you know, within a month I had another job and it was through my network. Yeah. And it's just it's another example of mm -hmm. it's who you know. It's who you know. Right. And who knows you? Mm -hmm. Because you might not know them, but if they don't know you, then it's not as good. But it's who yeah. knows you and they knew that you were good and that they could recommend mm -hmm. you. So during so. this time, so you were in your first marriage at this time? Mm -hmm. I was married to Don. Okay. And then Don died not yes. long after you went to Lockheed? Yes. Yes. My uh, He passed away in, actually 11 years ago. And um, Don died of suicide. Oh. And it was uh, tragic for me. Actually, this is the first time that I'm actually talking about how he died. Oh, it's wow. Been, um, I had really kept that really close uh, to, to my heart. Uh, it took me a long, it's layers of healing. And right. after layers and layers of healing, I'm actually now able to really talk about it to you, Trish, alive wow. on this broadcast. And um, that was life-changing. I mean, at the time, uh, he and I had another business. We had 200 acres of, uh, of, um, of land, and we were raising exotic animals. And so we were feeding 400 animals at the time, and we had uh, one ranch hand. At the, John worked that full-time along with, with Randy. And when he passed, now I find myself, okay, now I have this ranch to run and I'm uh, working for Lockheed Martin and I'm building my practice. I'm like, okay, something has to give, you know, something has to give here. And I had to reprioritize uh, my life in order to make, uh, to, to really take care of my animals, which basically are my children um, and really take care of them and, um, and, my career and you know randy and don had a dance randy was in a wheelchair and so ron uh, don and randy they found their way to make the the ranch work because they were both working at full time well when randy uh you know was with me he was in a wheelchair and everything worked fine until it snowed or rained and then he couldn't maneuver his wheelchair and then so I Randy to, was Don's partner. Yeah, he was our helper. He was our okay. ranch man. So you did have someone else. That yeah, knew we did what have someone doing. else. So That's he good. was. Yeah, he was my right hand, Ugh. and it was good until it, like I said, it, it rained or it snowed, and then he couldn't get his electric wheelchair around, and I had I would have to take a day off every every time we had a bad weather day, and it it would take me all day to feed the animals. So you were working full time at Lockheed. You were managing your husband's mm -hmm. business and of exotic is. animals. Mm -hmm. Yep. What kind of animals are exotic animals? Well, we had um, exotic birds from Australia and South America. Ah. We had, you know, hundreds of them. And then we had uh, horses and donkeys. We had a variety of uh, peacocks, some exotic colors of peacocks. Cool. Uh, fowl, uh, pigs, pot pigs, big boars. Uh, 
uh, all the, you know, it was um, emus and rias. We had an ostrich. It was holy it, moly! Yeah, you must it have was, huge it, property. It was an amazing experience. I, I will tell you that they, uh, the animals taught me a lot about people. They taught me a lot about business, and uh, especially the donkeys. They really, they nurtured me through the process. You know, where they really picked up on on the energy and when i would go out we had 50 donkeys and i would just go out in the middle of the field and just you know check them out see you know check their feet out their eyes you know were they feeling well and just to kind of make sure everybody was healthy and they would just come around and they would just sort of surround me like give me this big hug and so yes uh they really just kind of pick up on, on what's going on in your life and they provide yeah. Yeah, animals are amazing. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that the, it was comforting to have them around you after mm -hmm. Don died, right? Yes, really a strong, strong connection uh, with all the animals. Uh, and uh, I'll share this tidbit with you. You know, one, um, we would always look for coyotes at night. Don right. would always look for coyotes because they would kill a lot of our, our, a lot of our animals. So yeah. one night he, he was out, um, waiting to see if the, if the coyotes were going to pass by the field. And he saw an animal. He thought it was a coyote. And he was about to shoot it. And then he saw the tail. And he goes, no, this is not the tail of a coyote. This is the tail of a dog. So he stopped. And he climbed up the hill where, where Dakota was hiding. And he brought him down. And he brought him down. And Dakota passed in December. Was this past December? Yes. Oh, wow. Two months so he ago. was a baby. So he was a baby. And he, he was my uh, last connection oh. to Don. Yeah. And that sorrow was almost the same sorrow as when Don passed. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was sorry unbelievable. And oh, uh, yeah, I was like, whoa, you know, it's all coming back. And um, and even I, I even said the same words. I said, I just want to be happy again. I just want to be happy again. Yeah. And I caught myself and I go, wow, is that such a tie between Don, Dakota and and I of how we were a family and how that last part of my connection and energy to Don, you know, I let go of that in December. Yeah. Oh. You're getting lots of hugs from people who are with <laughs> us uh, on social media. Thank you, everybody, you for sending some love. I can feel it. That's really great. So, Pat, that was a lot. I mean, the Don, Don passes away. You're having a full-time job. You're also building Majestic. Mm -hmm. uh, coaching at that time mm -hmm. as well, right? Mm -hmm. So how yes. did you bounce? Like, how did you get pull up by your bootstraps, as they say, yeah, yeah, and keep exactly. going? I would have wanted to pull the cover to, covers over my head and not get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. I had some of those days, Trish. I'm totally honest. There were some days where I just like, yeah, I just want to die too. You know, I, I just can't take this anymore. It, it's too heavy. Um, I had to put the the coaching on on pause, really, mm. because it was just it was too much to handle uh, for me to do all those three give energy to all those three major efforts. 
So I put the coaching on pause and I worked uh, really hard with Randy to start, you know, selling off all the animals and mm-hmm. streamlining, streamlining that business, streamlining that business. And, um, you know, I would remind myself, you know, just be fully present. What is it that really needs to get done right now? And just do that. Don't, don't go in them. Should have, could have the past. And I'm like, Oh, what am I going to do? You know, selling the ranch, what am I going to do with it now? I just had to stay fully present Great. to what was happening. And so you just do what's in front of you and know that you wouldn't have been here. You're not here. If you don't have the capacity to pull yourself out of the situation. I have you know, the capacity to yes, do this. You do have the capacity, mm-hmm. but mustering up the, the, courage and the commitment to do it is, you know, what you just said about um, resilience is something that we can all learn from because, you know, things happen in life all the time. I started this broadcast saying that, you know, when things settle down, they never settle down. Yeah. And, and when I look at all of the things, you know, you and I talked a little bit and you also had in the midst of all this, you had a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I have breast cancer. Absolutely. I'm a 26 year thriver, if you will. And uh, it really came at a point where uh, I came to realize that I was the last one on the list. I was, you know, I was, that's when I was working, you know, I was doing all the traveling. I was done and we're working the animal business. I was involved in the community and I just really didn't have much of a life. And then I was supporting, I'm the eldest of five. And so there was a lot of support that I gave to my family. Yeah. And I just, you know, said life cannot continue like this. You know, something has to stop. And what is the lesson in, uh, in this pause for me? And in studying breast cancer through through Louise Hay and how it's a mind, body, and soul uh, dis-ease, I learned that I was overgiving. Oh, wow. Breast cancer is associated with overgiving. Oh, and my I'm goodness. Like, okay, that stops. Where, where do I need to start saying no? And where do I need to pivot in uh, in where I'm giving my energy to and put myself on, on the top of the list. And I'm going to heal myself. I'm going to heal myself. And I be, I started studying alternative medicine. I became a Reiki practitioner, a polarity practitioner. I studied aromatherapy, healing through foods, journaling, massage, meditation. I just said, I'm going to heal myself. This is, I can do this. So did you with no Western chemotherapy? No, or... I did Western. I did yeah. Western medicine. It was a combination. Um, yeah. you know, and way back when, when I, you know, when you heard the, the diagnosis, I mean, nobody would talk about it. Right. Nobody right. would talk about it way back when in 1996. Yeah. You know, there was some shame associated with it. You know, you're just like it was a secret. You only turn certain people about it. Not like it is today where we're really just open and honest and saying, hey, you know what? I need your support. It wasn't like that then. Well, like that then. I, I, I am obviously thrilled that you're still here. And, you know, as you go through all of these shifts in your life, 
what would you, I mean, so you said staying in the moment, being right here, right now, not worrying about down the road, just doing what I can do and putting one foot in front of the other. Yes. What else really supported you? Obviously, you were doing some inner work at the same time as well. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that really helped you be resilient? Uh, I, I would start with, um, I asked myself this question every day when, when my feelings got so chaotic, you know, because when you're going through that grieving process, you're up one day, you're down the other and just being conscious of where, where, where my heart was, I would ask myself, what would I prefer? What would I prefer what right now? What would I prefer? I would prefer to be in a state of joy. I would prefer to be feeling good. I would prefer to know that I see the end of the, the light at the end of the tunnel. So I would ask myself, what would I prefer today when something would happen? And then I would live my life through intention. So I would, you know, start up my day very grounded. You know, journaling was a really important aspect of it. And I would set an intention. I said, okay, so out of everything that I have planned today, what is my intention with every conversation, with taking care of the animals, with uh, my meetings? What is my intention? And then start with the end in mind and imagine what it is I want to occur and then writing it out. Mm. You know. A far cry from a left-brained IBMer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was really, in, I was real intuitive when I was a, a child and I didn't realize it. And uh, when, you know, you join corporate America, you know, they teach you, uh, to be really uh, left brain, like what does the data show? What are the numbers show? And you're making the okay, so we're going to make a decision based on what the numbers show. Well, after a while, I started, you know, burying that intuition until it got to a point where I'm like, I'm not even tapping into all of who I am. And there's two sides to me here. And why am I not bringing those two in? And then I, I found that, you know, working with clients who had former corporate background that we weren't really that wasn't really valued. You know, that gut feel of like, you know, even though the numbers say this, you know, my gut says that, you know, working with this client or whatever the case, who the situation that this is where really we should be if we want to, you know, move the business forward. Well, if you said that in corporate, you would lose credibility. So Absolutely. You, just say, you would just hide it and you would just go forward because this is what's going to sell. This is what's going to make the decision. And then I, you know, as we move forward in our business, we realize that that's not really the way you run a business. Yeah. Can't be. Well, it can't be. There's got to be, you have to take in your intuition as well and Absolutely. trust it and trust it. That's mm -hmm. the other thing. I can so relate to what you're saying because it was all, you know, move forward, get it done. And, and when I moved out of that environment, mm -hmm. I really had to develop the other side. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure other people who were in corporate can uh, relate to that. On the other hand, people who were never in corporate don't have the value of that. Like yeah. that data-driven understanding the numbers, that's such an important part of business. Yeah. And it goes so hand in hand with your mm -hmm. intuition. You can't lean on one without the other. You've got to have them both. So yeah, that's a great point. So you work with when you work with your clients at Majestic, um, that's one of the things you work through. I know you do human design for business. Can you share yes. a little bit about that? I do. So human design for business 
is an assessment and a system that it's a combination of Myers-Briggs mm -hmm. astrology and uh, genetics. And it's based on your birthday, time, and location. And it's a discovery of what makes you tick. For those who are in tech, it's like your, it's your user's guide, basically. It's your user's guide. This is how you're meant to show up, be, how you're meant to do business, how you're meant to make decisions. And it's the foundation of how I work with, with women because everybody's different. And so I work with them with their specific blueprint on how to grow their business. Oh, that's wonderful. And I saw a statistic on your website, actually, that said 80%. Well, if you think about the statistic that 50% of businesses fail in the first year, 80% mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, of women-owned businesses um, launch and succeed when they have a mentor. Absolutely. So having a mentor like you that can take the left and the right brain and bring it all together yeah. is a real plus. Real yes, plus it, it really is. Tell me about Catherine's Quest. So Catherine's Quest. Tell me about when, Catherine's Quest. That was mm -hmm. Catherine's ahead. Quest. One woman's to one woman's journey to elation is uh, uh, my bestseller. Came out in, in September. Uh, it's going now in two years, and the book is uh, on self leadership, and it's about resilience. And I took all this the the lessons of my uh, tragedies, I guess you could say, my so specific emotional moments. And I said, look, this is this is what I learned. This is what it took me to be resilient and to lead myself. And I'm going to share with you what it takes to get there. And if you'll just follow me on this journey through Catherine's eyes, who loses her job, her her home, her marriage, and how she picks up herself and her bootstraps and going through that journey through practices and reflective questions and how to um, unravel your day to learn and self-care um, routines. And so I take a woman through through that journey and in 90 pages, you're a different person. Beautiful. Can I get that at your website and yes, you can go to my Amazon website as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Catherine's Quest: One Woman, One Woman's Journey to Elation. Beautiful. I'm so happy for where you are in your life right now. You're remarried. Yes. L life is good. Life is good. I'm very happy. I, uh, Don was an IBMer, and I shared with you earlier that my husband Mitch, who's sitting with me across the table, is also an IBMer, <laughs> and so. Uh, it, life is really good. We're really you know, happy. birds of a feather flock together. They I say. I know. <laughs> I know. It's we're having a lot of fun traveling. That's really our passion, exploring, and um, and we're we're actually taking a cruise to uh, Greece, and so we're really oh, excited about that. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Really well, you have been through it, sister, and you are out on the other side, and yes. life is good. Life and even good. when you were going through it, you found your internal voice to keep you mm -hmm. moving, to keep you straight, to keep you going. And I know you were also surrounded by people who love you to support you along Absolutely. the way. Thank you so much, Thank Pat, you. for sharing your story, especially for your first time talking about mm -hmm. Don's suicide. Mm -hmm. You know, when we have conversation like this, it, it just turns a light bulb for someone. Mm -hmm. 
And the fact that you have the courage that you had multiple times in your life, and here you are still standing. Brava, sister. Brava. I'm so happy for you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you all. Thank you, first of all, Pat, for being with us and for sharing your story. Thank you all for watching and sharing. Because if Pat's story makes a difference, just a small difference for you or for someone you know, it's worth the 20 minutes that we've spent listening to this amazing woman. Thank you, Pat Alva Craker. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, you all for being a part of Women's Prosperity Network and for making the difference you all are making in this world, as is Pat. So thank you, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. We'll see you again next time on another episode of Be Real, Get Real.